the name of God, the creator, liberator, and sustainer of the universe. Amen. The rector reminded me that today we have the commissioning of the vestry. There is a celebration honoring Rich and Trish and their latest daughter. And the rector suggested that I might want to consider changing my classical 30-minute sermon to a classical 20-minute sermon. I tried it at the 8 o'clock, and I was a miserable failure. <laughs> you must remember that preachers preach in God's time, and a thousand years in our time is one year in the sight of the Lord. So we have to keep on that time schedule. The prophet Jeremiah <coughs> lived in the 7th century BCE in Israel. And as a young man, and unexpectedly, his life was interrupted. His life was interrupted by a prophetic word that came from the God of Israel. A prophetic word that said, Jeremiah, I've chosen you to be a prophet to your own people. Now, it is clear from the reading in the first chapter of the book of Jeremiah that Jeremiah was a rather intelligent young man because he resisted the call. He resisted, he resisted in part because he knew, he knew the times in which he lived he lived in the time of King Josiah. Josiah began in 623 BCE. It was a time of great corruption, political and religious corruption, in Israel. And Jeremiah knew that the task would be incredibly demanding and painful. So he said, I am too young for this task. I am too young. You need someone who is far more experienced than I am. I'm still a young lad. People will, will not pay attention to me. They will say that you are too young. <coughs> he said, I don't speak that well. You need to look for someone else. The God of Israel said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I have been close to you before you were born. I am aware, I am aware of the task that is in front of you. But I want you to know, as the first Mormon bishop who was elected in the Episcopal Church said that the power behind her was so much greater than the task in front of her. I want you to know, 
I want you to know, God said to Jeremiah, that I will be with you. And even though you will be called to confront kings, political leaders, call your nation into question, confront religious leaders, they shall not prevail over you. Do not say, I can't speak, because I will put the words in your mouth. I will be with you, Jeremiah. I will be with you, and you shall prevail. Now, prevail did not mean that Jeremiah would succeed. Jeremiah was called to speak a very harsh word. One of the first words that the Lord put in the mouth of Jeremiah was, was directed to the people of Israel. And he said, you are a shattered vessel that is so broken that you cannot be put back together. And you should know that unless there is massive transformation, which it doesn't look like there's going to be, you are going to fall to the Babylonians. You, are to go, you will go into captivity in Egypt, and there will be massive suffering. People of Israel did not respond to Jeremiah in the way that God and Jeremiah had hoped that they might. As a matter of fact, they put Jeremiah in jail. They locked him in the stocks. They threw him in a cistern in hopes that he would die. He was rescued by a passionate servant who didn't believe you should kill a prophet. And then he would go into exile in Egypt. Jeremiah knew a great deal of suffering. He knew a great deal of grief. He often felt that he had failed completely. But he remained faithful. He remained faithful to his calling. He remained faithful to the interruption that had occurred in his life when the word of God came and said, Jeremiah, I'm calling you to move in a different direction. The late pastoral theologian and well-known writer, Henry Nouwen, often said that in his ministry, he often got upset when people would just walk into his office and say, Father, now and I need to talk with you about this. I know I don't have an appointment, but I just need to interrupt you. He said he felt for many years that the interruptions were interrupting his ministry, his working on his sermon, his new book, whatever he was doing. He said that then one day it dawned upon him that the interruptions were his ministry. The interruptions were his ministry. It dawned upon him that God is in control, not us. We may have our five-year life plan, but as they say, if you want to make God laugh, tell God your plans. 
Jeremiah knew that he was a servant of the living God and he remained faithful to the interruption that had occurred in his life. God does interrupt our lives. God does interrupt our lives. God calls us often to move in directions that we would not have chosen to move. In Jeremiah's culture and in our culture today, the prophetic word ultimately is a word of liberation and good news. But before it is that, it is almost always a word of bad news. If you are in need of transformation, the prophetic word of God sounds like really bad news. Jesus went home to Jerusalem, went home to Nazareth, in our gospel reading this morning from the fourth chapter of Luke's gospel, we had been told this earlier by old Simeon on the day that we celebrated yesterday, the feast of the presentation. And old Simeon said to Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus, this child is destined for the rise and fall of many in Israel. And we see that today in, in Luke's gospel. Jesus goes to his hometown. He goes home to Nazareth. He's invited to preach in the synagogue. His fame is little known in, 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 in Nazareth. People have heard of, of his healing. They've heard of his proclaiming the kingdom of God. And he comes and he begins with... with uh, what's a major theme in Luke's gospel. It's called the great reversal by New Testament scholars. And, it, and it's sort of Jesus's mission statement in Luke's gospel. The great reversal is that the lowly will be raised up. The rich will be cast down. The poor will be raised up. Kings will be dethroned. Those who should authentically be in charge will be raised up. It's a great reversal. The captives will be set free. Those who think they see don't really see. The blind will see. And Jesus begins to deliver this message in the synagogue. And at first, at first it seems as if the people in his hometown, they, they, they are open to listening to Jesus. But then Jesus does three things. Three things that those who proclaim the prophetic word are always called to do. And they almost always lead to the same place. First of all, Jesus says, today, this is your reality. Today, what I'm talking about is to take place. I'm not talking about forming a study group here in the synagogue to explore how the captives might be set free in two or three years. He says, I'm talking about you setting them free today. 
Oh, the people say, today? And then, then Jesus says, I know, I know that you think that you know me. And I do know most of you. I grew up here in Nazareth. And uh, I know that you pretty much believe that I think the same way you do and the same, have the same norms and values. But I want you to know something. I'm calling you to move outside of those. I'm calling you, I'm calling you to move into a new way of seeing the world. I'm calling you to do that today. And I know that you're going to say, who in the world do you think you are? A little boy who grew up in this synagogue asking us to give up the way that we have thought for generations. We are not quite ready to do that because we know who you are. You're the son of a carpenter and you also have had no formal religious training or very little. Those who were called to transformation by voices that they don't expect to hear calling them often resist the prophetic word. And then thirdly, then thirdly Jesus says, and also you need to understand that your conception of God is very limited. God's not bound to one religious tradition. He said, look at our own tradition. Look at the great prophets Elijah and Elijah. He said, look at their ministry. The widow of Sidon was not a member of the chosen people of Israel. And she was the one Elijah went to and the one who was fed by God's grace and mercy. And she wasn't even one of us. Look at the Syrian soldier, Naaman, who was healed. And you know how we feel about Syrian soldiers? The same way the people of Israel today feel about Syrian soldiers. Hasn't changed much. But God healed him. God's grace and mercy extended beyond where you want to see God's grace and mercy going. Extended to foreigners and pagans. And that's the way God's grace and mercy is. Well, with those three points, the good people in the synagogue became a lynch mob. They decided that it was now time to kill Jesus. And Luke tells us that he narrowly escaped and got away. He narrowly escaped and got away. But he would have that whole experience all the way to the cross. And finally, he would not narrowly escape. The prophet stands where the love of God meets human resistance. The prophet stands 
where the love of God meets human resistance. And almost always, that resistance leads to one form of violence or another. Almost always. And the prophet is called to stand in that position even in the face of the violence. We live in a world in which we think of the gospel as good news. But the prophetic word, as it was in the time of Jeremiah and in the time of Jesus, often comes to us as bad news. We, like the good people in the synagogue in Nazareth, do not like to hear that today is the day. Today is the day to set free the captive. Today is the day. We won't wait. I, re I remember one of the primary realities that I experienced in churches in the 1960s in the civil rights movement, particularly in the South. When you talk about racial justice, the good people always responded, we need time. We need time. You can't move too quickly. You can't move too quickly to realize that your brother is your brother and your sister is your sister? How long do you need to wait to realize that this person is a human being? Weight weighs heavily upon those who are oppressed. And the truth is that weight almost always means never. And Dr. King was fond of saying that justice delayed is justice denied. Today is the day, the prophetic word says. We often don't like to hear the prophetic word if it comes from those we consider too young, too old, too poor. It comes from people who are not of our race, our gender, our nationality. It's very hard. It's very hard for us to hear the word that comes from unexpected places, but almost always the prophetic word comes from those places that are unexpected. It almost never comes from the heart of the status quo, does it? The love of God we need to hear is always greater than we think. We like to think that we are somehow perhaps loved more than God. But we need to remember, as Jeremiah's people needed to remember, that the people in the US are not loved any more than people who live in Iran, El Salvador, Nigeria. We are all God's children. And God's love is universal. And we need to realize that, respect that, and live as if it is true. The 
prophetic word calls us to places that we may not choose to go. It calls us to be people that we may not choose to be. It calls us to live in a way that we would not have lived if we had not been confronted, if our lives had not been interrupted by the word of God. It calls us again and again to give up our ongoing desire to always domesticate God, Jesus, and the Christian faith. Some years ago, I was leading a conference for clergy, a diocesan clergy retreat on prophetic preaching. And I decided that there was really only one category that I could hold up for those clergy in relation to how effective they had been with prophetic preaching. And the question I put forth to them was how many times have the people in your congregation wanted to kill you? That's what happened to Jesus. That's what happened to Jeremiah. And if we are faithful to that prophetic calling, we will know the same experience that they knew. But we will also know something else. We will also know what it is to die to the old person who wants to limit the love of God. We will know what it is to die to the old person who thinks there is no possibility of thinking outside of the way that we've always thought. We will die to the old person that believes that we always have to delay justice. And we will become a new creation, which is the only way to live authentically as a human being. Let there be peace among us. And let us never be instruments of our own or anyone else's oppression. And let us always be thankful for the gift of the prophetic word. Amen.